Good afternoon. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Good to be with you. Wallace Chapman here. And he says, hey, Wallace, from rural Hawke's Bay, no power, water or comms. So we're throwing all the dogs in the ute and are heading south to my parents. Have passed two convoys of army vehicles, several foodstuff trucks and trucks with large generators heading north. Our heart goes out to everyone who've lost so much. Nga to RNZ for keeping us up to date. Kia ora, Annie. Stay listening and all those uh, plugged in to RNZ across all shows. Um, kia ora to you all. And that line is open at 2101. I want to hear what you've been up to, how you're faring. Just keep in touch with me across the show. And can I just, I just want to say, um, I don't usually go back to this before we could go on. Uh, you've both really apparently had it out of the park with your I've been thinkings. Um, I mean, I was only half listening. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but Cindy's <laughs> I've been listening was brilliant, incredibly sad, but so profound. Greg says, your panel has just disclosed the most important message I have ever heard. So another one here. It's been a tough week, but uh, the Johnny and Cindy's I've been thinking was just the best I think, thing I've heard all week. So I might even replay it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time, but, Wallace. It is time. For We've what? We've had enough. Is. It is time to stop politicising climate change. It is time Mm. to say one voice, one solution, let's get on with it. All right. Mm. Now, uh, also an update from Hawke's Bay. Wairoa continues to be isolated with roads into the district closed and bridges washed away on state highways. In a statement, Wairoa Mayor Craig Little said the area faces severe challenges, particularly with communications, food, water and fuel supplies. He says it this stage, they have enough food, fuel and water to last the next few days. RNZ understands that Hawke's Bay Civil Defence is planning on providing an update on the region later this evening from Hastings. We will keep you informed as soon as the details come to hand. Well, supply, both food and other essentials, continues to be severely impacted. The country's supply chain is expected to be impacted uh, for quite a while, and that's added further pressure, hasn't it? And people are starting to get concerned around access to food. RNZ reported around midday in Napier, huge queues for two hours at the local supermarket just to get food. So with us is Justin Teagumbers, the National Road Carriers Association Chief Executive. Kia ora, Justin. Hi, Wallace. It's been quite hairy out there for drivers, hasn't it? I mean, truckies marooned on their roofs on Hawke's Bay, a tree falling on another truck on the desert road. Yeah, look, it, it has. Um, drivers have been heroic getting the goods through. Yesterday was, was very much an hour-by-hour situation. Um, so we did, we saw a truck on Desert Road, had three trees fall on, um, two vehicles there. Um, one driver had to um, sit on the roof of his cab um, in the Hawke's Bay for hours waiting to be rescued. Another truck rolled in the Coromandel um, and, and of course slips have been happening. So um, look, the drivers have been incredible. They have to mm. make individual risk assessments to get, get through to communities, um, but they're doing everything they can to keep the essential supplies going. And no shortage of other issues as well. I mean, even even pre-cycling, uh, you know, there have already been a sh- shortage or a supply of goods and even more general COVID pressures on transportation, hasn't there? Yeah, look, there hasn't been any shortage of challenges for the, for the sector. I think it really shows the criticality 
um, of just how important our road network is um, for keeping New Zealand and our communities running. And, and the pandemic has really highlighted that. And once again, um, we're seeing how important it is through these floods. And I think, look, it's an absolute lesson on why long-term investment in our roading networks and making sure we have the resilience we need and communities aren't getting cut off. And, and this is a really long-term view we need on that. We're talking decades. Um, we have to get better at how we're investing, funding and maintaining our roads. Justin, it's Cindy here. Hi. Um, probably Hi, you're Cindy. not the best person to ask this, but does this point to us needing to put more investment into rail so not so that we are not completely reliant on no. our road network? Yeah, look, Cindy, certainly rail has a part to play. Um, and, and absolutely, it's got an important part um, delivering freight up and down the country. The challenges in terms of the cost of rail and the amount that it can carry. So ultimately, with the, the advantage you have with trucks is they can get out to our remote places where it's just going to cost billions of dollars for rail um, to get to, even to our larger size cities. Um, so it, it's, the, the answer is it's both. We have to invest in rail as well, but certainly we've got to plan more for road. All right, just jumping in here before Johnny uh, coming in with a comment here. Pack and Save BP and Heratonga Street Hastings are both flat out pumping petrol. Please keep reporting local Hawks Bay updates as we have no power or internet and no mobile internet, uh, says Ralph. So if you are in Hawks Bay and if you do have some connectivity, you might want to also um, be in touch with us here on the panel by text 2101. Uh, Johnny O'Donnell. Yeah, thanks, Wallace. Um, and I just want to echo really what Justin and Cindy have both alluded to, which is the need to think long term in terms of our infrastructure and the resilience we're building into communities, lots of communities around the country who rely on very vulnerable roading networks. And that's speaking directly from experience um, here in Nelson and to tell you who we were cut off. Um, last August as well, and and indeed don't have we're uh, one of the only places I think in the country that doesn't have rail um, through to the port. I think infrastructure is going to be a big issue um, coming up in this election because uh, our lack of investment and the kicking the can down the road, the um, chickens are really coming home to roost on that. So I'll be interested to see uh, how that forms part of the dialogue as we come into the election. Okay, now Justin, just uh, as of in the now, uh, what's the mm. latest issue for you? People are wanting to get that uh, food in the supermarket. What's the latest uh, uh, issue? Yeah, so I've been talking to uh, Waka Kotahi this afternoon. So um, we are starting to see parts of the network that were closed yesterday opening up. So obviously we've got Desert Road open up, the Kaimai through to Bay of Plenty has opened up again. Um, Coromandel still remaining closed um, largely and of course you've got Gisborne um, and East Cape cut off. Into Napier um, that connection um, for the essential supplies through from Palmerston North is um, is open. I think there are some challenges with some of the last mile getting through to supermarkets. Um, the power outages obviously aren't going to help with um, cold goods as well but I think the message for people there is, is look Trucks are ready to go the minute roads to those cut-off communities are reopened. Um, and I think we will just really encourage people just to take um, what they need and no more, um, especially in those cut-off communities. There is no need to panic. Um, the supplies um, were, sorry, the shops were resupplied well ahead of the storm because we had the warning this time and knew that it was coming. So I just urge people, um, as I say, just to take no more than what they need for the for the next little while.
Justin, thank you. Justin T. Gumbers there, the National Road Carriers uh, Association Chief Executive. Uh, it is 15 past four. Johnny O'Donnell and Cindy Michener uh, are with me. A lot of texts coming through about there. I've been thinking we might have to come back to tomorrow. It's quite, it's quite something. And again, um, how are you faring? How are you doing? Um, lovely to keep you company this afternoon, and you can do the same for us. You can text me here, 2101. Well, you heard uh, John, a uh, pretty heartbreaking story. Uh, 60 lambs uh, have, to li- have been drowned, but uh, those Olympic uh, horses that they do, uh, they've been saved. That's uh, Johnny, and, sorry, John and Penny's farm in Fernholm, Hawke's Bay there. So uh, animal welfare is a real issue, uh, and... There have also been shocking images of a horse on a rooftop and stories of dogs climbing onto the roof of their kennels. With us is Science Officer at the SPCA, Dr Alison Vaughan. Uh, Kia ora, Dr Vaughan. Kia ora. How busy has it been on the ground for SPCA officers? Well, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, this is a fast-moving situation and our teams are doing everything in their power right now to support animals affected by this devastating natural disaster. And that includes um, in the field, but also caring for the many thousands of animals already in our care. Mm. What are they seeing on the ground? Um, Well, (laughs) right now um, we've dispatched trained staff to assess impacted areas. And they are all across New Zealand. But we're working very closely with MPI, who are leading the emergency response um, and ensuring that animals get the best possible care and support. But as I'm sure you can imagine, staff are seeing um, devastating scenes and um, mm. just really pitching. And we're also seeing really hopeful um, stories where people have gone the extra mile to not only get their own animals out of danger, but other people's animals. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, Dr. Vaughan. I'm just wondering, is there anything, I mean, apart from the donations of money to the SPCA, is there anything specific that would help a lot more at the moment? Like, for instance, you know, I don't know, with some of the horses, uh, you know, if someone's got some spare rugs or, um, bed, um, you know, hay or anything like that, is there, is there anything specific that would uh, be a very helpful donation at the moment? Well, one of the positive things about this event is how much we've seen communities pull together. And so we do encourage people, if you're in a position to provide pasture or supplies, to reach out to your community and help provide that peer-to-peer support. We've seen images and footage of animals in distress trying to skip floodwaters, and it's been absolutely heartbreaking for everyone. And we're really, really grateful to these members of the public who have stepped in and taken in animals um, to provide safety, provided supplies to their neighbours. So really we're just encouraging people to reach out to your community, check people are okay and check if they do need help and support. Yes, Johnny. Yeah, I was just reflecting while uh, listening to uh, John as well, of course. I remember back in uh, when Cyclone Gita hit um, here in the region that we uh, one of the most memorable um, moments from that disaster was uh, when our community in Motueka was standing on the bridge waiting for a horse that had been lost to the floodwaters to um, come by. I'll never forget that, everyone standing there, aware of what had occurred, and the the grief was just palpable. Um, So that was just within our community. I can't imagine people who um, have that close relationship with the animals who are farming um, and otherwise. I mean, again, my heart just goes out to them. It's it's tragic. Yeah, Alison? 
Yeah, at this point, the situation is still unfolding and it's likely we're yeah. going to have a greater understanding of the true impact on, on people and animals in the days to come. Yeah. And so we do know that there are some people out there whose animals may be missing. Um, a number of animals have gone missing uh, or become lost through this event. And so we would advise people, if your animal is missing, or if you find an animal, pop on uh, lostpets.co.nz. You can put a posting of a lost or a found animal there. Um, but also reach out to your community, through social media, through your neighbours, mm. um, to help get people connected. Yeah. One thing that really struck me, uh, because there are a number of people in uh, evacuation centres, uh, you know, at this at this time, that and it really sort of um, pull them heartstrings actually that pets were allowed to come in because there were some homeowners that just wouldn't leave without their pets and it's something that I could relate to very well. I talked about that with my wife. You know, would I mm. leave little Banjo, our Yorkshire Terrier, never in a million years? Oh, absolutely, and that's why the advice has always been having that plan for you, you and your family, which includes your furry family members. Mm. And it, um, that's something that we've seen in terms of disaster response overseas where animals weren't considered as part of the planning was that people often are unwilling to evacuate their home if they're not allowed to take their animals with them. So it's been really encouraging to see that approach. Kia ora, Dr Vaughan. Thank you for your time. That's um, Science Officer uh, at the SPCA, Dr Alison Vaughan. Uh, just some uh, updates here. And look, uh, uh, being our eyes and ears, uh, you may well be able to help with the very, very latest information. Wallace, does anyone out there know of residents at the Bayview Holiday Park in Napier are all safe, uh, asks Julie. Andy asks, can you ask whether there are any petrol stations open in Napier at this moment? And uh, another one here, does anyone know where to get gas bottles in Napier? For a lot of people, it's the only way to cook and heat water, but no exchange place seems to have them all sold out. You can text us on 2101. Our email is the panel at Uh, I'm a midwife and I'm thinking of all my colleagues and friends in Hawke's Bay and Gisborne, especially the births that keep happening, but contact and communication so hard. Uh, Aroha nui to all affected, says Fiona. That really is uh, something, isn't it? Those uh, midwives and other workers who just keep on charging on. You think we'll have a a mass of babies called Gabriel? Well, you know. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 22 past four, the panel, RNZ National. All communications continue to be hampered. Residents of Gisborne and Hawke's Bay remain unable to call the triple one emergency number. That was uh, as of 1.30 this afternoon. Uh, I do see that much of Gisborne's power has been restored, but a lot of cash only in some flood-hit business areas in Tairawhiti, Gisborne. Hawke's Bay hit very hard with a lack of communication. And we heard from Paul Brislin on 9 to noon uh, briefly, but they did have to cross to an emergency briefing. It was very interesting, so I thought we'd return to him. With us is NZ Telecommunications Forum Chief Executive Officer Paul Brislin. Kia ora, Paul. Kia ora, Wallace. How you doing? Good. I cannot think of another emergency where communications issue, issues were just so significant, perhaps aside from the Christchurch earthquake, who, you know, many who went through that um, would be able to relate, not being able to contact each other. Oh, look, totally. It, it is, uh, I think it's unprecedented the way um, 
the, uh, the, the public have come to rely on telecommunications yeah. in, in quite the same way. It wasn't that long ago, if you turned up with a cell phone, you were doing as being a yuppie. Uh, today, it's an essential communications tool, and, and people can't get by without them. So my heart goes out to everyone who's desperately trying to make contact at the moment. I, I fully understand how difficult that is for them. You have flown satellite equipment into Hawke's Bay today? We have. We have. This is so in Hawke's Bay is, is um, twofold. One is the lack of power uh, and cell sites and um, uh, landline without electricity to supply them. But the other problem is the uh, storm has wiped out uh, most of the connectivity between the region and the rest of the world. The big fiber optic cables that we call backhaul cables all the uh, all the transmissions so what we're doing in the meantime while they while they figure out how to repair those fly in some uh, satellite backhaul kit uh, this means cell sites will be activated and you'll be able to make phone calls uh, and send texts but it will be limited because there, there's just not as much capacity on a satellite uh, as there is on the fiber optic cable they should be up and running tomorrow the uh, the teams arrived today they're getting all the gear um, assembled. It's just a matter of getting to the right cell sites. Uh, and we're coordinating between telcos. So you don't three telcos worth of coverage in one on one cell site at Napier Hot, for instance. You'll have um, Vodafone in one part, Spark in another, two degrees in another, to maximize the coverage uh, while we try and bring everything back up. Okay, just jumping in here. Bayview Top 10 and nearby Holiday Park are all Okay, uh, says a follow-up to the response. All right, Cindy. Paul, I'm feeling rather lucky because we're on Starlink, where I live. Um, I'm sort of wondering, has anybody thought about the, the emergency backup? Do we actually need some sort of national satellite plan? Um, and I know this, I don't mean this to sound flip, but somebody actually tweeted Elon Musk um, during a... I can't can't remember the details, but he actually uh, immediately supplied more links, etc. I mean, is there any sense in trying to have a relationship with Starlink that could help the country? Oh well, Starlink is, uh, and and in fact, all of the satellite providers uh, are a tremendously important part of the uh, the telco environment, because for those truly rural and remote parts of the country, uh, they really are the solution for getting broadband but there are a couple of caveats to that one is you still need power to make it run and if you don't have electricity it it doesn't matter whether it's starlink or cellular or fiber oh so it's back uh, to power you can't make the connection got to have power and i think um that's that's it you see uh i have about this from my own situation we need solar panels on the roof uh the next car up you have fully uh electric vehicle and then we can use that as a giant battery to power the house if it's out, because everything comes back to power supply. Interesting. Yeah, we talked to a person on the panel two weeks ago who actually fully charges his house by uh, electric vehicle. In fact, he's uh, undergoing a bit of a trial on that. All right, Johnny. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, strong case for uh, more self-sufficient energy sources closer to closer to the homes, right? Um, I mean, I think I agree. I had the same um, question as Cindy. Really, I think you know, Starlink is playing a massive role, not only in uh, these natural disasters, but also indeed in conflict in Ukraine. So, 
really does seem to bolster the case for um, tapping into that more. Uh, but it does make you think in these moments that the kind of rapid electrification of a lot of our appliances, like heat pumps and stoves and things like that, and then suddenly in these moments you need to revert back and things like gas are actually quite good. So it does bring into question how we sort of prepare households for that. I know I'm quite grateful to have a fireplace in these moments in case weather um, either strikes in winter, but um, yeah, it does, it does bring into question how we're resilient against the electrification as well and have those power supplies there to support that, indeed with cars too, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Paul, as I understand it, uh, you had uh, in fact planned for a cyclone of this size. You know, you, in fact, planning was quite significant mm. uh, and this happened. So how so? Well, uh, as soon we, the industry is quite good at uh, planning for events. Um, we're, we're quite well-versed with uh, weather. It happens quite a lot. We're quite used to it. So the idea is you know that something's coming. We'll move generators to staging posts around the country. We'll, we'll put in um, an order for extra diesel supply. We'll get aircraft on standby, that kind of thing. I don't think uh, anyone is prepared for the scale of uh, Gabrielle. Um, you know, we, we're used to dealing with a state of emergency in Say, for example, uh, Coromandel. So, or you so why not, Paul? Why, why, why weren't you prepared for the scale? Well, I don't think anybody was, really. I mean, I, you know, we, we saw Met Service saying this could be the storm of the century. Um, and everybody, you sort of go, yep, okay. Um, that mean in practice? Well, now we know. And I think the, the severity of the storm, scale of it, the, the width and breadth of the storm itself, the physical dimensions, uh, meant that all corners, North Island were affected one way or the other. That is unheralded. I don't think we've, we've okay. ever had to so, Paul, plan for that in the past. Paul, Paul is, is this a real wake-up call, not just for your sector, but for several other sectors, including infrastructure? Oh, absolutely. I think we really need to reset our expectations around what um, a response looks like storm, because storms of last year aren't going to be the same next year. They're going to be bigger. We're going to see more of this kind of activity as as global as climate change takes grip uh we've, we've got to get prepared for it very interesting well, one final comment Cindy, we'll go. so paul I, so did you not really believe the red warnings from the met service oh no no we we um we always pay attention to those and that's that's as i say that's why we moved equipment to mm. to napier um we, we've had generators there um for the better part of the week ready to uh, what we weren't expecting, and I don't think anybody was, would be that the roads would be impassable so the trucks couldn't get through. Uh, there would be no air flights so we couldn't get personnel into places. Uh, there would be devastation um, uh, of, of the power supply from Northland all the way down to the lower North Island, uh, all in a 72-hour period. So, um, you know, you, you see it on a piece of paper, it says, world's you know country's biggest storm of the century uh all that kind of stuff you go okay what does it actually mean in practice well um that's quite a different kettle of now, we <laughs> and, and now we know yes, yeah. now we know yeah now we know all right paul kia ora. thank you for your time that's paul brislin there new zealand telecommunications forum ceo so yeah they prepared for it but uh they weren't prepared for the scale uh just news to hand here some Dargaville residents are being urged to evacuate their homes the Kaipara district council says mangafare residents who live along river road and victoria and logan streets as well as side streets and finlayson park avenue are strongly advised to leave 
peak flows are expected this evening and there is a risk of flooding from 6 tonight until 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Shelter is available at the Anglican Church in Hokianga Street.